Amen. Wasn't that beautiful, Scott and uh, Nancy Munoz and him coming back from Iraq and surprising her? That's neat. And we prayed over him before he left, so it's good to see him back. Now, last time we talked about our upward walk, we're doing a series called Walk This Way. In Romans 12, we're given four things that ought to comprise our walk with Jesus Christ. We're called to walk a certain way. God cares about us being saved and going to heaven, very much so. But until we get there, he's also very focused on how we walk. He cares about our walk, our daily lifestyle, the way we live out our life. Now, uh, we're going to look at the outward walk today, which is outreach. Every believer ought to have an upward walk where you, you live unto God by, by giving him your body, an acceptable sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we talked about last week. And every believer ought to have an outward walk that is outreach, where other people are being touched through your life. Here at Turning Point, here's what we do. We preach, we teach, and we reach. We reach. We're always reaching. We reach out. God does not want his church to be locked into a religious bubble where we kind of have a, a holy club, and there's that world, and then there's our world, and there's the culture, and we're a subculture. God doesn't want that. God wants his church to get out there and touch them in the highways and the hedges, touch them uh, in, in their everyday life. He wants us to touch and reach that lost culture. And so he's letting us know here that every one of us are called, are gifted. We're going to see everybody's got a gift. Every one of you have a gift. Now, every believer in Jesus Christ is called to touch the lives of others as part of the extended hands of Jesus Christ. Paul right here is giving us a picture of the human body, and then he is the head. The Bible says the head of the church is Christ, but then he has to have a body, and we are his body, his arms, his legs, his mouth, his eyes, his ears. We are the body of Christ. So if the head is looking down on planet earth and he sees people walking around hurting, bleeding, afflicted, demonized, needing all kinds of help, what does he do? He calls on his body to reach out and be his extended hands, his extended feet, his extended mouth, his extended eyes. He wants us to represent him. And everything he did when he was on earth now he has anointed and appointed his church to do, and as we saw just a moment ago, four times in just a few verses, each of us, every one of us, each of us, each of us. The Bible says, walk this way. Walk this way. Now listen to what Peter wrote about this. He said in 1 Peter 2, 9, listen to what he says about you and me. You are a chosen group of people. You are royal priests. What do the priests do? They minister to God. You are a holy nation. You belong to God. Now, that's four things. Now, why did he make us to be chosen? Why did God call us to be a priest? Why are we a holy nation? Why are we a called out people? He gives us the reason for it right here. He has done this for you so that you can tell others how God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
I learned a long time ago when God blesses me, it's not just for me. It's always with someone else in mind that he intends for me to be an outlet for his blessing. He doesn't want me to keep every blessing, hold every blessing, uh, just kind of enjoy the blessing all to myself, but he blesses me so that I can help others. He heals me so that I can heal others. He delivers me so that I can deliver others. Listen, heal pe- healed people heal people. Delivered people deliver people. Amen? Blessed people bless people. And so he's telling us right here, look what all that God did for you, and here's why he did it. So you can tell your story to others about what God has done for you. I'm looking at hundreds of testimonies right now. Once you were lost, now you are found. Once you were blind, now you see. Once you were dead, now you are alive. Once you didn't know him, but now you do know him. You have within you an incredible blessing, an incredible treasure in an earthen vessel. And so you've got a story. And he says, he's blessed you so that you can go out and tell your story. It doesn't take a theologian. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, man, I was walking along and I was in sin and I was in all kinds of trouble. And one day I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and he came into my life and he has turned my life around. Let me tell you my story. According to Romans 12, verse 6, we have each been given spiritual gifts as the pipeline through which God wants us to minister to other people. Now, I want you to say with me today, I am gifted. Tell me like you mean it. Let let God hear it. If you believe that he has given you a gift, then say it again. Some of you, I can't convince you're looking at me. I am gifted. You are gifted. See, here's what happened. When you said, Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord. He came into you, and Paul said in Romans that he poured out his love into your heart by the Holy Ghost that is given unto us, and then we're told he did something else. He gave you a gift, a spiritual gift. And in case you're wondering what that might be, they're listed In verse 6, listen to what he says. And every one of these, you are here somewhere. If someone has the gift of preaching the good news, then he should preach. He should use the faith God has given him. If somebody has has the gift of helping others, then he should go ahead and help. Like our tent mentors ministry did in the last couple of days. They went to a church that was uh, uh, in a very rough area of town, a wonderful pastor, a man of God, has labored there for years, but the congregation doesn't have much money. His building was in need of a lot of help. So we got out of our bubble. We sent the tent mentors ministry. They renovated his building. He was here last night, that preacher, grabbed my hand and wouldn't let it go, thanking me with tears in his eyes because what he hasn't been able to do in years, Turning Point was able to go and bless him and help him. If, if, if somebody has the gift of helping others, then he should help. And so we got out there and we did that and we do it all the time. And that's just one way that you express the extended hand of Jesus Christ in the world. 
He goes on. If somebody has the gift of teaching, then he better teach. If somebody has the gift of speaking words of comfort and help, which I take to be counseling, encouraging people, he should speak and do it. If someone has the gift of sharing what he has, that means giving material things, helping people with finances and other stuff like we did with that church. If someone has the gift of of sharing what he has, he should give it from a willing heart. If somebody has the gift of leading other people, then by all means get out there and lead people. If somebody has the gift of showing kindness, which means mercy to others, he should be happy as he does it. Now let me just pluck that last part of the verse out and show you the Bible tells us that when we move in our gifting, it makes us happy. See, some Christians look like they were baptized in pickle juice when they got saved. You can't make them smile. And here's the deal. The reason is because there are certain things that are triggers for the joy of the Lord. There are triggers that activate God's joy. And one of them is when you get out of yourself and reach out to others and bless them in the name of the Lord. He said, if you get out there and you show mercy, you will be happy as you do it. I am never happier than after I have finished preaching. Nobody can talk to me. They try to talk to me. I don't hear a thing they're saying because I am floating in another level because what I did is I got out here and I was not, I was not a cup that had water in it. I was a hose through which the blessing of God flowed. And that's where I get my joy. Amen. So if you, when, when you move in your gift, when you bless others, when you get out there and minister, then it says you're happy. You're happy when you do it. So here it is, preaching, helping others, teaching, encouraging, sharing in material things, leading, showing mercy through acts of kindness. These are just some of the gifts that God gives his children through his grace. So here's a fact. It is through our gift we are to reach out to the hurting and the needy as part of Jesus' extended hands, and I don't believe you really experience the fullness of the blessing of Christianity until you do that. Walk this way. That's what Paul is saying. Walk this way. Give your body and your life to Jesus Christ and then become a conduit for blessing. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, Jeff, that sounds great, but how do I know what my gift is? I have no clue. I don't, I don't know what it is. I'd love to do it, but, but I, I don't know how to find it. Let me give you a little hint. Usually you will discover your gift by what most appeals to you. You know, I never heard a voice say, Jeff, preach or die. You know, Paul said, woe is unto me if I don't preach the gospel of Christ. You know how God called me? When I had given him my life and I began to worship him, I began to feel inside of myself a burning a longing, a yearning, a desire, a motivation to speak his word. He put a sort of a divine want to do in me. And I found out that what God has anointed you to do and appointed you to do, he will give you a desire to do it. It's a fit. It's what you're naturally inclined to. It becomes your passion. It's what appeals to you as you watch God operating and moving in a church congregation. It is what 
appeals to you, what cranks your chain, what speaks to you, what kind of tugs at you is generally the way you find out what you have been gifted to do. So what do you feel pulled to do? You like witnessing, you like praying, you like encouraging people, you like showing mercy, you like helping people that are down. That's a real signal of what your gift is. So we're to all have an outward walk of touching others for Christ as part of our faith. Peter wrote the same thing, 1 Peter 4.10. Listen to this. Here's another each one. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Minister it to one another. We call it one another, one another. One anothering one another. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And there we have it again. He's given to each one a spiritual gift. We are to use our gift by ministering to others as an extension of the hands of Jesus. And guess what? We're going to give an account to him as stewards of our gift. Did we use it to bless others? Or did it lie dormant? Did our gift just sit there? Or did we use it? Now I see three things about the outward walk. And let me, let me share with you three crucial things about your and mine outward walk. First, kind of funny here, but this is what Paul says. We are not to get the big head about our gift. You know, I've watched people in the body of Christ who get a gift go from a humble human being to a strutting peacock. I say that in love. I'm smiling. Y'all should smile with me. Amen? They get, the big, they get the big head. They become a legend in their own mind. Listen to what Paul says in verse 3. He says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, there is another every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed each of you. He's saying, since God gave every one of you your faith, then don't get the big head about your gift. Don't get the big head. Philip's translation puts it this way. He says, don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance. I've had people come to me in counseling. I say, Pastor Jeff, I'm just convinced that so many people don't like me. They're, they're thinking against me, and they criticize me, and they look at me with this furrowed brow, and I don't feel loved, and I don't feel accepted, and, and I just know that they're talking about me. And I break in, and I say, dear, let me tell you, you're not that important. You think everybody's talking about you? I hate to break it to you. They're probably not. It's not about you, and it's not about me. But sometimes we tend to think we're the center of the universe. And that kind of person drives me crazy because it's not about you. It's not about me. And I hate to break it to you, but we're not the center of the universe. He is. He's the center of the universe. So he says, so try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you all. Assess yourself in light of what God has done for you. Now, the guy that's writing this, Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote two-thirds of the Bible you hold in your hand. But I want you to listen to the way he assessed himself. I am the least of the apostles. 1 Corinthians 15, 9. I am the very least of all the saints. 
Ephesians 3.8. I am the foremost of sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15. I'm the least. I'm the very least. I'm the foremost of all the sinners. But he was the great apostle Paul. He prayed over handkerchiefs and sent them out without charging. And people picked them up. And when they grabbed that handkerchief, demons came out and they were healed. This was a mighty man of God, unprecedented in his time. And yet he said, I'm the least, I'm the very least, and I'm the foremost of sinners. Humility. What I'm saying is your gifts and your abilities came from God. It didn't come from you. So walk in humility. Don't get prideful about what you had nothing to do with. Amen? I don't believe in celebrities. As a matter of fact, I don't think it's terrible to make somebody a celebrity. They begin to think that they're way higher than you. But listen, they're going to die one day just like you, and they are no different from you and me. And I think you destroy somebody when you puff them up and make them a celebrity, and they destroy themselves when they start thinking more highly of themselves than they ought to. William Temple wrote these words about humility. He said, humility does not mean thinking less of yourself than of other people. Nor does it mean having a low opinion of your own gifts. It doesn't mean you have a negative self-image and you're always running yourself down. That is not humility. That's false humility. He goes on to say, humility means freedom from thinking about yourself one way or the other at all. It's not about you. It's not about me. And we should not be our main topic of discussion. George Washington Carver, the great African-American scientist who developed hundreds of useful products for the peanut, wrote, When I was young, I said to God, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. But God answered, that knowledge is reserved for me alone. So I said, well, then God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. Then God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. And he told me. (laughs) Humility. Listen, listen to 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that God hasn't given you? What a great question. Now I'm talking about good things. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of change, of his own good will. He begat us by the word of truth. So the Bible is telling us through James that every good gift we have came down from the Father of lights. So Paul says, what do you have that God hasn't given you? If you can sing, if you can write, whatever your talent is, whatever your gift is, whatever your ability is, listen, it came down from the Father of lights. So he goes on and says, and if everything you have is from God, why are you boasting as if you came up with it? Amen. Since it was a gift, give the praise to the one who gave it to you. I've told, I've told you several times that after every single service we do, Wednesday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I go home and all my dogs know exactly where I'm going to go because I have a little place where I go and I pray and I get on my knees and I say, Lord, I give you the glory for what happened in church. You did it. And I have always now my little terrier staring straight at me. I really do believe he's going to be saved before it's all over. Because he's there when I have times with God. 
And he looks right at me. And, and so I was like, go ahead and get your thanking over so you can pay attention to me. Surely they're going to be saved. Surely dogs are going to be saved. Amen. I give God the glory. Folks, always give God the glory. Give God the glory. Listen, say with me, all that I have has come from him. Can we just lift our hands to him just for a moment and say, Lord, thank you for what I have. It came from you. Every gift, every ability. And I give you the glory. Now give him a hand of praise. He's good. Amen. Now, the second thing I see here is your gift is, watch this, it's God's investment in you. And the Bible says he expects a return on his investment. Listen to this passage again. Minister it, minister your gift to one another as good stewards, not owners, but stewards of the manifold grace of God. So right there, we are told that our gift is given to us not as something we own, but as something we temporarily manage. But one day, we're going to go face the Lord. And he's going to say, how did you use your gift? The word steward means the gift is not our own. It's a trust. He says, here you go. I saved you, but now I'm going to give you a gift, and I want you to use it. It's my property. It's to be employed in my work, and it's to promote my glory, not you, but my glory. And the Bible teaches that we will give an account. He's going to call all of us in front of him and say, okay, you're not going to answer for sin because I took care of all of your sin and you're not going to go to hell or anything like that. But, 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 but here's what I want to know. I gave you a gift. How did you use it? What did you do with the gift I gave you? Mercy, giving, teaching, preaching, counseling, helping people. What did you do with the gift I gave you? Were people touched? He's going to say to me, Jeff, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? See, I'm going to tell you what motivates me. I, I serve an audience of one. And his name is Jesus. And I know that I'm going to answer to him. So every time I come to minister to a, a group of people, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, other churches, it does not matter. I know that I am doing it unto him first and foremost. Because one day he's going to say to me, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? Were people touched? Were they blessed? Were they saved? Were they healed? Were they encouraged through your spiritual gift? Or did you let it lie dormant? And I want to be able to say, Lord, you gave me one gift, and I used it every which way I could. I did everything I could, Lord. And I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. Come and let me make you ruler over much. And I hope he puts me over Colorado. One day, Jesus told a parable about the kingdom of heaven and how it works. Listen to what he said. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. That's the Lord Jesus. Who called his own servants, that's you and me, and delivered his goods to them. That's his gifts. So you've got Jesus going to a far country. Then you've got him giving gifts to his servants, you and me. 
And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And he immediately went on a journey. Jesus went up into heaven and disappeared in the clouds. And then after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Look, after a long time. Has he been gone a long time? Oh yeah, 2,100 years. Jesus knew he was going for a long time. So after a long time, the Lord of those servants, you and me, came and settled accounts with them, you and me. And the one that had five talents had invested those five talents and gained five more. So he received five but gave the Lord back ten. And he said, I invested what you gave me and I have a return for you. The one with two did the same thing. He gained two, so he that had been given two gave the Lord back four. So he took the gift and invested it, used it, and gave the Lord a return on his investment. But then there was the man that had one talent, and the man that had one talent had buried it because he was afraid of the Lord. He didn't trust the Lord. He said, I knew you were a hard man, and you reap where you did not sow, and I was afraid of you, so I buried the gift. And his whole life, he never used it. It stayed buried in the ground, like so many people who have been given a gift, and it stays buried in the ground. And the Lord came back and said, he said, you wicked and unprofitable servant, you knew that I reaped where I did not sow. And he goes through a couple of things with him, and he says, it says in the Bible, he cast him into the outer darkness, and I don't know what that means, but I know I don't want to know what that means. And the bottom line that Jesus is telling is something, and I know that sounds hard and, 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 and tough, but he's, he's, he's telling us something. What is he saying? The idea behind the parable is that God entrusts gifts to each of us as stewards while we live on this earth. And one day he'll ask us to give an account of what we did with that gift. Did I get a return on it? Did you use it or did you bury it like that servant who I had given one gift to? Folks, we're to use our gifts. And I, don't, and I don't want you to take this as like a threat from God. Take it as an encouragement from God that he knows what he's put in you. There is a treasure in you. You are the answer. You've got the answer inside of you for the ills that are shaking this nation. His name is Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in, this, in the world. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency may be of God and not of us. We have a treasure inside of us. And he is saying, now get out. Out there and use your gift so that others are blessed and that I get a return on my investment. Amen. Now, the last thing I see is every member of the church, everyone is important and needed. You're needed and you're important. You're important for the whole body to function. Now, remember, Paul's using the illustration of a human body. And I want you to catch this because this came straight from the Holy Spirit as Paul wrote it down. So here's a human body. Jesus is the head and we are the body. Now listen to Paul. We, our bodies are made up of many different parts. None of these parts have the same use. I hold my hand out towards you as I'm speaking. The only reason the hand works is because the arm works. The only reason the arm works is because the shoulder muscles work. The only reason I can stand here is because my legs work and my legs are supported by my feet because they have a purpose. Every member has a special purpose. Likewise, he says, there are many people who belong to Christ and those many people comprise one body which is Christ. 
And we're all different, but we all depend on each other. I need you. You need me. This is not a one-man show. I don't want this to be a one-man show. It's never been a one-man show. You ought to see all the people who are behind the scenes helping us to make this church function. I could not do it without them. Some you know, some you don't know. But guess what? When we all go to heaven, they're going to get a reward just like me for how they help make the body of Christ function because some are feet, some are hands, some are eyes, some are ears, some are mouths some are fingers. Hey, listen, some are toes. And even the little toe in the church is important. When I get up in the morning, my mind tells me very slowly to roll out of bed. But guess what? What if one day my legs and arms said, I really don't feel like it today. I think I'll take a sabbatical. Maybe tomorrow I will do what the head is telling me what to do. Though my mind wanted to do something, I'd be paralyzed if that part of the body rebelled. Or what if my feet said, you know, we feel led to go off on our own. I hear that. I hear that. People say, you know, I I just think I've kind of outgrown the the church meetings. I I know how to get a hold of God. I know how to get into the Word. I've got a bunch of tapes that I listen to, and I've got my favorite people on TV, so I really don't need the body of Christ anymore. And and, and they're just like the feet who would say, I think I'm going to go off on my own because we've had a revelation that we don't really need the rest of the body to be who we are. And they get out there, and for a while they do okay, but then they realize They need the body of Christ, and the body of Christ needs them. And they are deceived when they say they don't need the body of Christ because the Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some is, but keep on meeting together and encouraging one another, especially as you see the day of his return approaching. And Jesus is at the door. And so we need to one another, one another. Hey, brother, let me encourage you in the Lord. Hey, sister, how's your walk with Jesus Christ? Is there anything I can pray with you about? Let me encourage you to walk with him and seek him and read your Bible. And let's pray together and let's encourage one another in God. That's the purpose of the body of Christ. As iron sharpens iron, so the body of Christ sharpens each other. We need one another. Paul is saying whether it's preaching Helping others, teaching, encouraging, sharing in material things, leading, showing mercy through acts of kindness. Everyone is to use their particular gift in outreach. Walk this way. Can we stand together? Can you say with me, walk this way? We have an upward walk. And we have an outward walk. Next week, we're going to talk about the inward walk. But let's pray right now. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads just for a moment. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I know I've got a gift, but it's really kind of gotten dormant. Life is happening, and I've gotten busy. I want to pray with you today. See, I've just gotten busy, and I'm kind of where Timothy was when Paul said, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's within you. Fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. Fan it into flame. And that's what I want us to do today. So if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I've got a gift, but I've been busy with this and that and the other, and I've 
and it's just kind of gone dormant and I need to stir up that gift. I want to pray with you today. The Lord told me to do this. So you can say, that's me. Raise your hand and let me pray with you today. You've got a gift. It's a precious gift. God's gifted you. I'm going to ask you to quickly make your way down to the front. Quickly. Come quickly down the front. I'm just going to, we're going to sing a couple of stanzas and I want to lay hands on you and pray that that gift is stirred, fanned into flame. So, well, Pastor, I just don't feel like using it. Listen, obedience precedes feeling. If you sit around waiting to feel like it, you may never feel like it. But if you begin to stir up that gift and just begin to operate in that gift and get involved in the body of Christ, get involved in ministry, get involved in reaching people, helping people, praying with people, encouraging people, then the emotions, the passion will follow. So let's all of us lift our hands, and particularly these in the front. And Lord, I just thank you for your precious presence here right now. And Lord, we pray that the gift of God will be stirred in us. Pray with me, church, and say, Lord, you've given me a gift. I'm going to account for that gift. I'm to have an outward walk. In Jesus' name, help me to stir up that gift. Help me to minister to others. I pray that that gift is fanned into a flame. Lord, open doors for me that I may use my gift in the name of Jesus. Well, I'll tell you, God's moving in this altar right now. Thank you, Lord.